Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that thinks Arsenal are distorting the transfer market in order to buy a second place finish in the league. On today's show we're continuing to highlight the defining games of last season, this time out focusing on the latter half, post-guitar. It was a period that contained introspection and doubt, but ultimately led to sustained brilliance and history being made. Unquestionably, therefore, these five months, from New Year to the end of May, represent one of the most fascinating times in Pep Guardiola's seven years in the Premier League. So let's get to it then, by selecting three fixtures that epitomise this dramatic evolution, or should that be, revolution. To get to the bottom of this, I'm joined today by Ben and Chris. Hi Ben, you well? Hi Steve, yeah, good morning. I'm uh, good, morning, good thank you, how are you? I'm grand, I'm absolutely grand. A bit of rain here, I'm assuming it's the same down the road? It is, yeah, a bit a bit drizzly, but we're never, we're never happy, are we? So. <laughs> no, it's even too hot or drizzly, it. exactly. <laughs> Chris, you there, you well? I am, good morning Steve, morning Ben. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm all good, it is a little bit overcast. I don't mind, I could do a little bit of cool weather. That's, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's going to warm up though next week. Oh, is it really? Good, good, good. I think good. so, a little bit, yeah. It's hot summer. Um, yeah, this is a fascinating time in City's, I don't know, kind of evolution under Pep, I would say, um, post-guitar. This is what I've been looking forward to, because last week me and Ben um, and Howard did the first half, um, where we didn't really know where we stood, but certainly after the World Cup, that continued, I would say. Um, there's a couple of impressive away wins, uh, but there's a draw with Everton, uh, a loss at Old Trafford, which we can consider ourselves unfortunate to lose that one. But still, Chris, something was lacking for me. Um, was that the same for you? And if so, was it possible to put your finger on what it was? If, it, there was... You we had all the same players in there with the addition of of Harland, so so you felt like oh, so we haven't we haven't kind of you know all right we'd lost Fernandino but we hadn't lost significant playing assets in the team. There was just an inconsistency, and and I think there was the things that we would normally anticipate, normally anticipate which is like a run of games, back to back victories, uh, just some sort of continuity and rhythm. And and whilst, you know, th- there were two significant things, obviously at the World Cup, but also I remember the the death of the monarch affected mm. fixtures as well. And, and that that felt just like another ingredient that, that made the season feel a little bit um, unprecedented and a bit peculiar. There was just... I don't know whether it was about belief, but there was just something in in the with with the chemistry amongst the players. It didn't feel quite right. Uh, but we had moments when we played superb, yeah, and then we had moments when we played re- really average, and then moments when we played poor. And I think the context of Arsenal having a fantastic first half of the season really accentuated the fact that we weren't clicking and so but we know we know how City's second half seasons second half of the seasons normally go but there was still a sense as well we need to start to kick in soon otherwise it's going to be too late so it, it wasn't it was a peculiar one. I, 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 I imagine that our bemusement on the Terraces were probably was probably matched by the bemusement of Pep and the and, and and the management team as they did they there was something not quite right and they had to address it and and unpick it. Yeah, I mean to get to the the Spurs. Sorry, the victory over Spurs uh, at it at the ad. As you say, we 
we couldn't afford now to lose any more ground on Arsenal. Um, but before we actually dig down into the game itself, um, Ben, a kind of similar question to you. If you look at the season as a whole to this juncture, how were you feeling um, going into each game? I mean, I, I remember feeling basically I didn't know which city were going to turn up that particular day. Uh, was that the same with you? Yeah, and I think to, to follow on from what Chris has said, we're obviously you know quite quite spoiled in recent years, aren't we? So I think this was at the point where, and obviously we went, went to go on our famous run sort of after um, after one of the games that we spoke about that we're going to speak about today. But yeah, at this point we'd not won more than three matches. We'd obviously had the the sort of frustrating result against United. But again, as Chris said, we you know played really well in that match. The point when mm. we were absolutely cruising until so that controversial decision. So it it just felt a bit stop start. There was a couple of occasions where you know where we won and you thought right we're really going to kick on here and then we we drop points in the next match. Um, and I guess at this point in the season, it felt like there'd been lots of change. Obviously, Haaland coming in and we'd lose that um, the false nine, which had given us so much control the seasons before. But with Sterling and Jesus and Zinchenko leaving, it didn't quite feel that we'd settled settled right down. Um, and I think as well, this was sort of early on in the season where Pep was literally changing, particularly the defence. So I can't remember what the stat was, but there was some crazy number of combinations that we played, yeah. wasn't it, at this point? Um, so it, it just felt sort of indifferent. And as I say, we're being really spoiled in terms of, you know, we, we'd normally expect to be, you know, out out in front at this point. And I think experience is, is teaching us really that, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell myself, I probably won't feel like this next season, but I'll tell myself, you know, in October, November next season, that really I am getting to the point now where, you know, as long as we're five, six points in touch with the leaders, no matter who that be, you know, come January, February, you know, I think we'll we'll always stand a good chance and back the team. But it just felt, I guess it's, it's obviously, as you say as well, it's amplified by Arsenal's great form and not looking like they're going to let up. So every time we drop a point, it's sort of a double whammy in terms of bad for us and, and they're, um, you know, they're starting to increase their lead as well. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get to the game itself then. Tottenham at home, they've long been a bogey side. I'll be honest, after watching the highlights, nothing really comes to light as regarding how we played in that first half. I think it was fairly mixed, it's fair to say. Um, but still, looks like nil-nil going into half-time and suddenly it's just a double whammy. Two quick goals. Um, Spurs, once again, if you look at the game as a whole, they score two from three shots on target. I mean, you're saying about kind of ridiculous stats, Ben. I can't recall the exact figure, but Spurs against City, the amount of shots on target they've had compared to the amount of goals they've scored against is, is just ridiculous. Uh, and this was another example of that. Um, the first one came from an error from Edison, Chris, uh, when playing out from the back, pretty straightforward, vertical kind of, you know, 10-yard pass to Rodri. On this occasion, it shouldn't have been done because, you know, I think it was Kane was just closing in on Rodri. That's bound to happen though, isn't it? I mean, from time to time, Edison is going to make an error playing out from the back and we, we kind of have to accept it, is it fair to say, if we want to play as we do? The strategy of playing out from the back... Well, it's not just playing out from the back. We, we we play out from the back. We play out from the back 
in a very methodical way to draw the front yeah. line on. As, as we've said before, Guardiola's obsessed with space and creating space. And so you've you've got two lines of press you've got to break. You've got the first line, which is the opposition's attackers. They come forward, you get the space in behind them, and then you've got to break the, the midfield press. So it's always a risk. And, th- and, and we've seen countless occasions when Rodri is given the ball in that situation or Gundogan's given the ball in that situation uh, and the pass is completed and it, it, it passed to him and then he goes he goes um, uh, square to either flank. I just think on this occasion, there was a sense that we weren't playing very well in the first half necessarily that it was there wasn't a lot of rhythm there mm. um and I, and i think that in in that situation um a a kind of a lack of attention to detail and and and, and i think that the that rodri was probably 10% more in in uh, in danger of losing the ball than he normally would be because Kane was so close to him, um, and and there wasn't and I don't think he was necessarily expecting the ball either. So in terms of body shape when he received it, he wasn't ready to play a firm. Squ- he actually does pass. well when I when I rewatched it. Roderick does as much as he can really. Yeah, you know, he, yeah, he, he can. He, yeah. And if you look at it, Lewis is actually in a better position to receive the ball. Mm. Um, and, and but I think Edison thinks I'm, Lewis is not experienced enough to be able to to to, to cope with this. So yeah, it happens. That, you know, it's Edison so rarely fluffs it kicking out. Although it happened a few times this season actually, but it's so rare that when it happens, it feels exceptional. Um, but yeah. it was avoidable. But then you know. You've got to give credit to Spurs. It's like they, they, they have a paucity of opportunities, but they do tend to take them against us. So it was um, we, we invited that pressure and we were punished for it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Rico Lewis. Uh, this was his, I think, it was his third appearance in the hybrid role. Uh, it was certainly very early on in, in his development, and there's three at the back. Again, quite unusual at this stage of the season. Uh, we weren't quite used to it that, at this point. Alvarez came in for KDB. Ben, this felt like Pep was experimenting, like he was just seeing what was working and what wasn't. Um, did that feel the same to you? Yeah, and it goes back to to what I was saying earlier that you know these defensive combinations. I I think he was constantly sort of grappling with getting that control back into the team, mm. um, and I think whether that be you know changing changing personnel and changing formation i know howard for example is always on about particularly the defense keeping like familiar combinations but i think when they're, they're chopping and changing at the back so much it's less of a less of an impact when they're doing it higher at the pitch when they're chopping and changing at the back so much it does cause uh, for things being unsettled and i think you know again just going on that the point for the the edison mistake that sort of football playing out from the back you know when we're you know, in our usual form and stuff, it's they almost you watch them and they almost look like they're doing it with their eyes closed. But I think as soon as our level drops a bit and, you know, players, I guess, don't know exactly where their um you know, where their teammates are or, you know, if somebody's slightly off that, you know, the the sort of cog in the machine, you know, breaks ever so slightly. And I think that's that's what happens really with with that goal. And I think, you know, if you watch it again, that, you know, the players they talk about having, you know, safe sides and, and dangerous sides in terms of passing. If you watch it, he really the pass is to Rodri's left foot that he should do. He passes it to his right foot. Rodri's stretching, gives it away, and obviously they they punish us. But I think again, it just r- repeating on on what I've been saying is that the whole sort of you know the whole animal of our team was just off that little bit 
too much. And I think Pep at this point is just trying to find the right balance of, you know, whether it's bodies in midfield or the right structure with defence. Um, so, I mean, to to say he's experimenting, I think he's he's always experimenting, isn't he? And yeah, he's kicked true. off at the start. He's always constantly evolving and improving and, and wanting us to to settle on something. Um, but so yeah, so th- there was there was an element of that for sure. So we go into the break two 0 down, um, and whatever is said at halftime certainly works because City are transformed in the second half. Uh, they're hungry, they're biting into challenges. Everything is done quicker, which of course is always a bit, one of the biggest considerations of a City side. If we play with ball, if we if we play with pace, then we are always significantly better. Uh, no more is this better illustrated than in, than in the transformation of Mares in the second half. Um, Chris, we know that he's a game changer. We know what he can do. But this was a superb 45 minutes from him. Um, it just illustrated just how good a player he is because within the City setup, within Pep's setup, it's quite easy to forget that, I guess. You know, it's all about Spurs torching and what he contributes to the team. But this almost was him just putting in this superb individual display. And it just reminded me, oh, yeah, he, this this guy's world class. I, th- I think when Mahrez is at peak Mahrez, there's nobody like him no. in the Premier League, um, and and he, he and he has a even though he's not a pacey player, he has an urgency about him, and technically he's he's one of the best in the league as well. Um, so, just before I answer that question, though, it, it was Steve. What was your feeling at half time when we were two 0 down? Because um, I had a very significant feeling at half time. Mine was, um, truthfully, what I can recall, because I, I, I can recall having a conversation with a few guys, um, mine was that the season's over for us. I, at th- that point, I think, was when I was just convinced, okay, we're not going to win the league this year. It's a transitional season, let's move on. That was my feeling. What about yourself? Yeah, I was the same because that was, I think that was like the, the third time in the season we'd gone two 0 down. I think maybe second or third time, and 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 I think the 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 constant rotation of players was also for me a factor about Pep was using this season to try and work out what his best configuration was, and I just immediately, I, I wouldn't say I was completely resigned. But I just, I just thought that we know what we need to do. We need, we know we need to put a, a, a run of wins together, at least eight or nine wins, if possible. But we don't even look close to doing it, and we're at home against Spurs, and we're already two 0 down. I just thought that, combined with the fact that Arsenal were still in the march, that I, I just thought that the season we need to, we need to reconfigure our expectations. And at that point, I started to think, okay, so maybe we focus on the Champions League. Um, and so, so I had, I had a a bit of a despondent sensation at the, mm. at the halftime period. But yeah, to go back to Mahrez, I think I, I, it's, it's funny with Mahrez because he, he didn't, he didn't quite have the, the impact in the, in the latter half of the season, particularly in, in the last two months of the season, because he wasn't playing uh, a great deal. And in that situation, it's easy to forget what an impactful player he is and what a unique skill set he has. And also last season, he was such a, you know, he was such a fantastic player uh, last season. So yeah, but, but he, he, he epitomized that shift in urgency in that second half. And I think that we weren't doing anything that much different tactically 
Like you just say, we're doing it with more speed, but it was the urgency and it was the intensity. Mm. And as we know, Spurs don't cope with intensity. No. Uh, that, that that that's the, that's the biggest thing about spursing it up is when they're faced with intensity, they they're able to grasp defeat from the jaws of victory, and that's pretty much what unfolded here. Well, as you say, there was no significant tactical changes, and Pep said the same after the game. Um, instead, after the game, he focused on a lack of passion from the players, which is kind of what we we're alluding to. Uh, right now, we don't have it, is what you said, um, Ben. First of all, would you say it was fair? Um, not just looking at the first half, but as a season as a whole to this point, would you have said City kind of lacked a fire in their belly? And also, were you surprised to hear him be so candid about this? I think it was it was a couple of weeks before, or maybe even the week before, where he Pep had come out and basically said something along the lines of, I don't care about the Premier League. Um, and I remember being really confused, I guess, that when he said that, almost thinking, right, is is he resigned to as not you know challenging for the league this season wants to go for the champions league or something but i think with pep he's obviously you know supremely intelligent guy and anything he puts out there you know in a press conference is obviously pointed and he, he knows exactly what he's doing whether he's trying to get a reaction from you know from the players from the fans from the opposition from opposition manager he knows exactly um, what he's doing and I'd, so I, I wouldn't go as far to say you know he's effectively like exasperated and this is almost like a last throw of the dice but he's just trying to get reactions um, so I don't I think he's you know he's been he's been candid I guess he's been a little bit more candid hasn't he this season you know whether it's yeah. been something as direct as you know calling Kyle Walker out for, for literally not being able to play in a position or you know obviously the the, the speech after this game with the happy flowers and stuff. So he has been more more this season, but I guess, again, that's probably him evolving and him becoming more experienced and using a few more like sort of tools that he can do to to, to get a reaction and get us, get us playing a little bit better. And I think just slightly touching on on Mares, for example, and, you know, it's sort of slightly linked to this is, if you remember, but Mares started the season really, really poorly, really. Um, and Pep effectively played him into form, um, but also you know he did he came out didn't he and said you know Mares once Mares was playing well I guess he waited and he started playing well to say this but he, he came out and said you know he wasn't in good shape and he wasn't playing at all well for the early part of the season. Mm. Um, I think in this part of the season by now Mares was in was in really good form, but you know a lot of that I'd put down to to Pep. Whether it's you know again putting something out there in the in a press conference to get a reaction, or just you know playing him. I remember those those games when he was playing Mares and thinking, God, you know he didn't play well for the last couple of games, but you're persevering. You need to change something, but yes. eventually he obviously came good. Um, so yeah, so I think Pep Pep knows exactly what he's doing in these press conferences. He's, he's no fool on that, and uh, and ultimately I guess it worked, didn't he? So. Well, I mean, this was also the game where he criticised the fans. Um, firstly, talking about the team, he said, guts, passion, fire to win from minute one. Then he said, the same with the fans. They are silent for 45 minutes. A, a real kind of quote that jumps out here. I want my fans back. Um, was that warranted, Chris, do you think? Um, if anyone if anyone has the right to say it is Guardiola because he's mm. kind of brought quite a lot to the table so yes. I, so, so I, I, you know I, 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 th I think he, he you know there's, no, there's very few managers I would take that from but he is one of them um, 
But I think he's right because because you know I've sat in the Etihad on countless occasions where, where, when the away fans are taunting us saying it's like a library, and I'm thinking, well, you're not wrong there, really. It's kind of, you know with with the league champions and reigning champions, and it's and it's quiet in here. But it's not going our way, and and I think that's sort of part of the bigger picture, really. That that, that you know, despite what. Journalists like Alison, I said, I use the word loosely, but journalists like Alison Rudd said that, that, that she thinks that all City's uh, squad members are automatons and there's no, quote, passion in there, which is, which is just an absolute farcical thing to suggest. But sometimes the way City play, it can suggest that, that, that the players are, are almost programmed. But, but I think, I think what happened this season and I think what, what Pep was, 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 referring to there is almost saying I can only take you so far lads I can, I, I, I can train you in a certain way I can make you think about football in a certain way I can improve you technically I can show you game plans I can show you strategies and movements but but if you don't bring that intensity to to the game it isn't going to work and and, and I think that's what we and, and it's that and I think it's based on belief they just felt like there wasn't a belief in there it, it felt like some of the squad felt a bit unsettled and maybe they were they were starting to lose confidence because the way they played wasn't quite clicking properly around Harland it's not Harland's fault it, it was an adjustment and um, and I think he was he was suggesting the same thing to, to the fans. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I'll bring the football to the pitch, but I need that intensity from you because it just pushes us a little, you know, a few percentage further. Um, so I, I I think it was valid, but I also know that 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 the the, the atmosphere in the ground was symptomatic of how a lot of the fans were feeling about this season that that they weren't optimistic. Mm. Um, and and so and so I think that that you know. This game helped. It didn't change everything, but it just felt like it was the first mm. rung on the ladder to move upwards, really. Uh, but I think, I, I don't always know if Pep knows exactly what he's doing. He's a very emotional person and he's quite impulsive. And I think that a lot of football managers do that. They'll, they'll say something um, in a press conference or post-match interview and they may actually think, mm, I probably shouldn't have said that. But if the team go on to win the next three games, it looks like it's genius mm -hmm. uh, psychology. So I don't always believe that football managers are that smart. But I'll I'll give Pep the credit, the, the the benefit of the doubt with this one. He probably knew what he was doing. When you said there about Pep kind of essentially saying to his players, "I can only take you so far, lads." Um, I mean, he there's a real kind of strong, meaningful quote what he says, actually. I just didn't include it in the agenda, but he said after the game about the, I think he was talking about um, Tottenham's first goal, um, or maybe the second, I can't remember, but he, he said about um, how we've got a free kick and we've only got two back, but we decided to play the free kick short. And, and he said something like, um, what my players need to be trained not to do this. And it was like, wow, that was kind of, you know, he can come in strong on, on individual players, but he's never said something like that before. That was essentially exactly as you said, Chris, him saying, look, I, I can only do my part here. You know, they've got to take responsibility on the pitch. Mm. Um, ben, how important was this second half? In fact, before we get to that, just very quickly, um, let's just go through the actual second half itself. So Alvarez scores 51 minutes, Haaland scores two minutes later, both from kind of close range. Then it's a Mare show. Um, a great individual goal down the right-hand flank. Um, 
And then the last minute, with Spurs kind of pushing, uh, kind of a sweeping, lovely kind of counter-attacking goal, of which we'll see plenty more of as the season goes on, um, to make it 4-2. So we're kind of happy. Then we see Pep kind of come out and say all these things. And it kind of, certainly from my own personal perspective, it kind of jolted me and made me think, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, yeah. I remember now how I felt at half-time. So, Ben, looking at the result itself and, and, you know, getting the three points. Um, this meant that we stayed five points adrift of Arsenal. I think they had a game in hand, though. Um, but we had them to play in a fortnight's time. So this second-half performance, it was crucial, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think to to go on from the, the point there about, about Pep coming out after this game, one quality or something that I, I do like about Pep, you know, whether it's about about City, about the team, about the fans, or, you know, even about referees. He, he, I think, purposefully only sort of comes out swinging when we win. You know, he's not like Klopp in that, you know, he'd come out with yeah, excuses or complaining about something. He, he, you know, he, he uses that platform of, you know, yes, we won, but we're still, you know, still not up to the to the level that, that I expected. And, you know, his, his, his speech after this game was... You know, just as important, just as as fundamental as the as the performance. Really, um, I think where with regards to you know how important was was the win, as you say, you know to to keep in touch with Arsenal at this point, you know was was key, um, and it felt like you know before this we'd obviously lost to United and lost in in um, in the cup against Southampton when we were really really poor. So as I, as I said, I think my feeling at the time. I was still, I guess, you know, hoping that we would get on a run. And, you know, at this point in the season, I think we'd had a couple of times where, you know, we'd, we'd win two games or three games. But as I said earlier, not got that fourth game in a run yet. So I guess completely wrongly and, you know, pessimistically, I still wasn't thinking it's definitely on at this point. Um, we'll we'll come to we'll come to that a little bit later on when we talk about the other results. But I, I was hoping it was more in hope at this point. Um, and the second half performance, you know, was was excellent. You know, as you, you said, Mara's Mara's involved in all four of those goals as well. Mm. And it was just it felt a bit like you know we were in our sort of you know marauding best at that second half. So you know, just just flying at them, attacking. So if anything, it was you know. Great, we picked up picked up the points. We're still in touch, and considering where we were at half time, it's a great turnaround. Um, but again, let's let's hope now we can go on go on a little bit of a run. Um, there was little there, was a, we kind of, <laughs> there was a significant thing that happened also in the second half, which I think is slightly overlooked as well. When you look back at a successful season, it's all, it's all, it's quite fun sometimes to look back at key games and think, yeah, we were lucky then. And and you counsel because you need luck to win anything, particularly in the Premier League and in the Champions League. And and it's always interesting to look and go right in that game. We had a little bit of luck, whether we created that luck ourselves or whether the the, the opponent gave it to us. And there was a point in this game we were too, we, we'd, we'd got the equal we'd got the equaliser, um, Harlan's header, wasn't it? Two two. And then um, Spurs had a chance to, to to score a third, and I think it was a it was a cross ball across the six yard box from Kane to Perisic, um, and I think I started to tap in at the um, the near post for him, and and Lewis got in the way, and somehow yeah. the ball sort of ricocheted on Lewis's ankles and went out for for a corner. Now 
I think Lewis is in the right place and, and Edison's mm -hmm. in the right place as well. But there was a touch of luck because it was like pinball in there. If Spurs score that goal and make it 3-2, I'm not saying that we don't go on and win it, but it was it certainly would have temporarily punctured the intensity that we were di displaying at some point. But I think that that's, when, that's, that's an example of when you have a bit of luck, but you take it. And you capitalise on it, but I, I think it's important that, that that we don't overlook those kind of things. There was plenty of times through the season we had some luck, but it's how you then use that luck. And at that point, City didn't think, "Oh, we could concede here." They went, they then went forward and scored a third and a fourth. Um, but yeah, it was, and I think I, th I think that's just an, an important thing in the game that's overlooked because it, because we came back so well, but it was still we were still having to manage threat from the opposition. Yeah. Okay, well, a couple of games later, we go on to lose to Spurs um, at their gaff, and that felt like a real nadir for me. That was a real kind of low point, and, and, and that's when I really did start thinking, you know, we're just not complete this season. There's something missing, and we're not going to win the league. We go on to beat Villa 3-1, uh, and crucially that weekend, Arsenal dropped points uh, against Brentford, uh, which leads us to the to the big one, um, Arsenal away, uh, the must win. Uh, apologies, Howard, but it really was a must win on this occasion. Um, we go into it kind of in decent shape, um, apart from, well, I'm not saying it's not a decent shape, but Bernardo Silva at left back. Um, I'll come to you, Ben. Was it, it was three or four games, wasn't it? Two or three games where we played left back? What, what was all that about? <laughs> Um, I think it was one of those things when you first saw it, um, and I, th I remember particularly thinking it against Arsenal, obviously being up against Saka on that side, where it was a bit like, you know, how's he how's he going to deal with that? But I think mm. the more you thought about it, it did make you know it did make a bit of sense. You know, there's a lot of these games, maybe not against Arsenal, against the top teams, but there's a lot of these games where you know our fullbacks or certainly um, you know one of our defenders isn't isn't needed um, and can you know, join the attack. So I think from that point of view, it worked. Obviously, Bernardo Silva, we all know he works hard. We all know he's excellent at keeping the ball. Um, and I think, to be fair, it's obviously not our optimal formation and we, we finished the season in a different way. But I thought for a period, uh, it did a job. There's a couple of moments, like I remember, for example, in that, that Forest away game when we really should have won there. And the, the single, single shot and the goal does come from from him sort of stepping out. Um, so yeah, so I think a little bit of nervous at the thought at first, but you know when you look into it, it, it kind of makes sense. I think for this, um, for this game, for the Arsenal game, it, this was one where Pep actually did say after the game that it didn't work really. He, you know, and he did he did change things slightly in in yeah. the second half. I think he, he also got right. I think he got booked quite early. I think against Saka. Yeah. Um, and I, th I remember thinking, oh God, you know, he's got a, a whole other half of um, of Saka running running up against it. Maybe this is a matter of time. Not that Bernardo Touchwood has ever been sent off for us, but you know, it sort of felt like that could happen. So, so yeah, I think that there's reasons for it for um, for it working, which, as I say, it, it did uh, in part a few times. Um, but yeah, on paper, it certainly did look a bit scary. Mm. Um. It was a fairly timid first half, uh, but then we went ahead through an individual error, um, a, a poor kind of back pass um, intercepted by carefree finish first time and kind of floated it over the keeper. Um, we did a pod earlier this week, Chris, uh, about Rodri, and I recall you talking about his composure in, in, that, in scoring that goal against Inter. This was another 
classic example, I think, of when you're talking about an absolute world-class level footballer, when they get those moments, that they're just ice cold, aren't they? I mean, it, it, it was so apparent from watching how Kev finished that, that he was composed throughout. There was not a flicker of panic. Um, did that come across to you on watching the goal? Um, I mean, it was yeah. a class finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. There's very few players um, in the league, I think, who would have seen that opportunity and um, and 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 chosen to try and put it in. Yes, on his first touch. There are. There's even fewer players in the league who could actually achieve it because because he wasn't looking at the goal. He knew where the goal was. Uh, he was looking at where the ball was, and he was looking at where the keeper was. So he had, so he lifted the ball, and if you and if you if you look at it, the ball probably had a probably about maybe a like a a six to eight inch gap that it went b- inside the post. So the accuracy was 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 frightening, but I I I think I think every other player in the city side takes a touch and moves the ball forward into the box. I think Holland does that. I think Foden does that. I, th- I think I think Grealish does that. But 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 De Bruyne, you know, he played the percentage games. I think he thought if I hit it first time now, I'm actually the better percentage of nobody getting in the way. I've just got to get it on target, and De Bruyne normally gets it on target. I mean, it was a shock, and I was watching. I was watching. I was actually I was in Frankfurt because I was working away, and I was uh, there's a plane delay, so I had to. I was at a hotel, uh, airport hotel in Frankfurt watching it, and. Um, uh, and I was shocked as well because of the audacity, but the Arsenal players were super shocked by it as well, <laughs> and, and and it really it it really dented their confidence in the Arsenal side and in that Arsenal um, um, fan base as well, and that's why their response to when they got the penalty and and, and and it was scored, that's why it was such a raucous response. But no, it was just it was Kev being Kev. Mm. No one else can see those things. And and no one else could, could achieve those things and, and, and execute it like him. It was De Bruyne being De Bruyne, one of the best midfields that we've ever seen in, in the Premier League. You mentioned there the pen. I'm going to come to you first, Ben, um, and then um, um, get your thoughts, Chris. Um, so Anketia, um in the 42nd minute, um, looks like he's going to round Edison, but he decides to take a shot off and he's got, you know, a second to do so, but he does fully get his shot off before colliding with Edison, who, incidentally, and quite clearly by his body language, is not looking to take Anketia down. He's basically, his momentum just takes him into the player. Um, had Anketia not got his shot off, for me, that's a penalty all day long. But because he's fully took his shot off, we never see that in football. We never see a, a player, a forward, who's took a shot and then comes to collision you know, be be rewarded for that with, with a penalty or free kick. Um, did that feel the same for you, Ben? I was furious on watching this, particularly on watching the replay and and seeing the fact that, as I said, Nketiah fully got his shot away. Yeah, and I think obviously, I'm sure Chris will uh, Chris will correct us of the the letters of the law. But yeah, that echoes what what I think really is that the number of times you see a player get you know get their shot off and you know whether it be you know it's sometimes you see like a defender flatten the striker don't they just after they've 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 taken the shot or headed over or headed wide or something and it very very rarely gets given now as i say i'm sure chris will 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 put us right on what's the actual rule um on this but that that was my frustration is that you sort of thing you see every week 
uh, is never given, but here we are sort of yet again where it is given um, against us. I think from with regards to, you know, Edison, if there's any, attach any criticism to him, that, you know, I guess at, at absolute worst, I would say it was, it was clumsy. Um, and again, I've heard Chris say this many times, but he does give, once he does that, he does give the referee a decision to make. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe that was what he was guilty of rather than being, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was like completely reckless or, or anything like that. It's just at, at worst clumsy and, um, you know, and, and leaves himself open for a decision to be made against him. But it was frustrating. And I think off the back of the Kev goal, as you said, um, you know, that came probably slightly against the run of play, but we would, we would show that, you know, we were, we would take our chances as any top team would. Um, so it just felt like a, a little bit of a step back and, mm. um, you know, things going against us, I guess, from the ref's point of view. Chris, what was your your view on it? So just to just to clarify, there is no law that says if the player gets his shot away but is fouled afterwards that that, that it isn't a foul. It, it, it's it's um, it was a foul, okay. Mm-hmm. In that um, it doesn't matter that that he got his shot away. If when Edison comes out to him, he takes a risk because he comes storming out to him. He does, and, and, and Edison, he's got the forward momentum. He, he, he's he got to save the ball at that point, because if he doesn't, he then risks fouling the player, and that's what happened. So, the, but, the, but the difference is this. If that happens in the middle of the pitch, and a player comes out, and, and Nketiah bypasses him with a pass and then he's fouled. I would see what advantage they can gain. If they can, if they can gain advantage, I'll play advantage and not pull it back. If there's no advantage, then I, I will pull it back and, and, and give a foul. So what happened in the box then is Nketiah t- took a shot on goal. He didn't gain an advantage and, and Edison uh, um, uh, uh, fouled him. But, but, but we never see put, this, Chris. We never see No, the, 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 and, and the, this is the point I'm going to get to. I've said on many, many occasions in the box, when the action is taking place in the 18-yard box, it has to be absolutely 100% sure that an offence has been committed or there's been a handball. Otherwise, you can't give the, the, the penalty. And that's why you see so few instances of this happening, of a player takes a shot and then a defender goes flying into him. But if the ball's already gone out or over the bar, the referee has an easy choice. He says, no, we'll just carry on. And players do not expect to get the, the penalty. No Arsenal players call for that penalty at all. Okay, and that was what was so frustrating about it because Taylor just did something unprecedented and chose to give it. You never see that. You ne- so he applied the letter of the law in a situation that nobody else does. And I think that what was it like? Why does City always have to be at the centre of an unprecedented action yeah. for the application yeah. of the law? We see it time and time again. So in the letter of the law, it's a foul. But quite simply, I'm not giving that because of the gravity of the decision, because I've got to be absolutely 100%, because I'm giving Arsenal a pretty much 95% certainty goal with that. So I think it was a foul, but there's a reason why they're never given, because it's just it's too, it's too hazy, really. So I, I shared the same frustration, but when people are saying it's not a foul, well, it was a foul. It's just that it, it, it completely contradicted the way we see football played out every single weekend in the Premier League. Those things are not normally given. Okay. Um, 
City were much better in the second half, and it could have gone either way psychologically after conceding a goal in that manner. But to our immense credit, we came out and we looked significantly better. Uh, we go ahead on 72 minutes from Jack. Uh, if it feels like I'm whizzing through this game, I kind of am to an extent because the third game I want to get to, I think, really, this is, you know, we've just won the treble, and I think we should give more credence to a game of celebration where we see us at our best. So this was obviously a huge, crucial game. Um, so hence its inclusion. But the next game for me is is the biggie. And um, anyway, we go ahead. Jack Grealish on seventy two minutes. One of the most celebrated, best celebrated goals of the season for me personally. Ben, can you recall how you celebrated it? Yeah, and I think it's fair to say the roof the roof came off at our <laughs> yes. house when the, when that goal gave it, and, and I think. To be honest, similar to just briefly going back to the the, the goal that um, that Kev scored is when what one thing I liked about that goal, obviously the execution was was perfect, but the the fact that the ball almost seemed to be in the air an age, um, and you know when it dropped and on the bounce when it went into the roof and that, and you realised it went in, it was a similar sort of you know reaction um, from me, you know you know huge huge cheers and and everything like that, and I think the, this game, I think there's many similarities with this game. To you know the um, the Liverpool match in in twenty nineteen twenty when when Sane scored the winner is that I think once once we got this result and once we 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 sort of went ahead and it looked like we were going to win it really did feel like you know right this is definitely on now uh, we're, we're reeling them back in they dropped points to 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 Brentford aren't they the, the week before uh, and obviously they go on to drop further points but for the first time when we've been reaching for this winning streak. It felt like right. We're we're certainly knocking them off here, and you know, from a confidence point of view, they just look completely completely bereft uh, after it. With regards to the goal by Jack, you know, I think it was at this point in the season where he's now starting to make impact um, yes. in, in games. Uh, you know, it was, it was, you could say he was slightly unfortunate in the United game that his goal effectively counted for nothing, but you know, he was starting to make an impact. The game itself, and again, the first goal sort of comes from this, but the the game itself was probably one of the first times that we'd seen, you know, was starting to play a little bit more directly with with Haaland. And I thought Haaland, Haaland was excellent in this game. If you, if you watch it back, he's literally, he's roughing them all up. Again, he, mm. he comes from the, the first goal, comes from him challenging for a ball and effectively their defender panicking, hitting it back. The the, the, the third goal, obviously he scores, but the second goal, he's, he's heavily involved. And there was also the one where, he um he won a penalty, didn't he? But he was offside. So yes, they, fractionally. Yeah. They, just, yeah, they just couldn't live with Haaland. He was physical. He was everything that you want in your striker from from this type of game. Physical, got his goal. Well said. Involved. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it just felt a key moment in the season. This where you know, finally, you know, it was it was swinging in our favour. Um. And it was a yeah, it was a brilliant, uh, defining match. Um, it was it was interesting because because obviously Arsenal was still ahead, the, the, the league was still in their hands, but I, I think the celebrations because it wasn't a game that where we where we went to the top of the league and 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 and, and, and couldn't be moved from that point, but the celebrations I think amongst the players it, it looked like they were saying okay we, we, we've we've discovered it again we 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 we've come back from adversity here. 
And you could just see that sense of achievement and accomplishment in their face that they thought that if we, if we can win, if we can beat Arsenal on their own turf, it's a significant psychological um, uh, move forward. But I also think at that point uh, that that w- what it said to Arsenal was, okay, you probably better not make any mistakes going forward now. Yeah. Because this City team are starting to click. Yeah. And they've just beaten you in what was a reasonably even match up until, up until the point of wit, kind of for about 50 minutes into, into the second half. And I think this, I think this is where Arsenal started to have that psychological, um, crisis. Is, is, is that they, they, I'm not sure it was about belief. I'm not sure what it was about, but suddenly, the instincts that they were displaying up to that point started to falter. And that's when you started to see them dropping points. And so I think that it wasn't a massive thing, but it was enough. This victory against Arsenal started to sow the seeds of doubt in Arsenal's mind. And then you started to, you started to see it kind of avalanche as it started to drop points after points. And apart from obviously the Forest game, we were pretty after this. We were pretty flawless after that. So yeah, it it, it just that's what I thought. I thought okay, we might be better equipped than I thought to put a run in here, um, mm. and we need to we need to just see what 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 Arsenal do in response to this loss. Which is kind of mad when you think of because I completely agree with both of you, but it's kind of mad when you look back and go, we started with Bernardo Silva at left back in that game. We were still kind of finding our way in terms of you know the system and the setup and, and all the rest of it. Um, but we but- never learn, do we, Steve? Because the fact is, is we know the one thing that Guardiola's done so many things in football. But the one thing that I find most satisfying that he's done is the is the way he's. He's silenced the critics and silenced the the football media who who still write from their reference points are all like 20, 30 years old. Yeah. Is he insists that players in our squad transcend the position they play. And that's so with your inverted fullbacks, with your centre halves coming in, in into midfield. And that's why he's dispensed with fullbacks as a concept completely at the end of this season. He, he says, no, I, I don't need to, I don't need to adhere to that traditional positional um, duty of a fullback, of a centre half, of, 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 of a winger. And so whilst Silver was occupying the space we would normally associate with the left back position. He was doing so much more in yes. there as well. He was yeah. transcending what that actual role is, and that's why I, that's that's why that's why journalists get so pissed with Guardiola because he confuses them and they mm-hmm. don't have a reference point or a framework to be able to understand what it is he's doing, particularly when it's working. And so yeah, Silver was playing left back, but but basically Silver just happened to be on that side of the field <laughs> yes. during the game. That's pretty much. It. Yeah. Um, just very quickly before we move on, we uh, I'll just quickly mention um, Kev being pelted by Gunas oh, yeah. three minutes to go as he's subbed late on. Um, just deals with it like a rock star. And it, frankly, it was a perfect end to a perfect evening. Um, we move on to April Fool's Day um, and the hosting of Liverpool. Um, this, for me, was when, I mean... We go into this game, we've battered Leipzig, we've battered Burnley uh, in the other competitions, scoring 13 past both of them combined. Um, we go into it with no Haaland, which is, you know, felt significant. Um, but still, Ben, I recall this game vividly, going into it really confident, to the point where I was almost relaxed. Um, 
Was that the same for yourself? I think probably being being negative, there's always a certain amount of trepidation when we're, we're playing yeah. against Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, I'd never be like fully confident. Um, and I think early on in the season, obviously they'd been in even worse form than they were at this point. And we'd, you know, we dropped points there and you, that was that was disappointing to be honest when we'd, we'd gone to their place and, and lost when when they seemed to be getting beat by everybody else. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, any, any sort of situation like this, what I, tried to, I guess, sort of climb myself down is, you know, you look at all of the facts and their away form was poor and it had been poor all season and, continue, you know, continued right up until the end of the season. As you say, we were starting to to score a lot more goals on a good run at this point. Um, so I think I was probably thinking, yeah, we, we should win this. Um, but, you know, with it being Liverpool, you know, there's, there's always, um, you know, there's always that element uh, effectively them doing us. Although, you know, when you actually look back at the stats and stuff, you know, I think our record at Anfield is obviously not great, but at home it's pretty good. We usually, yeah. you know, we usually beat them. We usually do pretty well. Um, but I guess when that uh, when that when that first goal went in by Salah, you know, part of me did think, oh no, here here we go again, sort of thing. But we were, you know, pretty much from the kickoff, we were the better team, and we were into that game. That goal did uh, did come against the run of play. Um, well, yeah, so cautious, but. We should we should do it. That's my ultimate feeling. You know, funny enough, I, I would kind of pinpoint that Salah goal as on my personal journey through twenty two twenty three. That is such a key moment because here we are, have Liverpool, you know, a long term kind of thorn in our side, scoring early. I think something like seventeen fifteenth minute. We've been really good to that point. We started the game so so brightly. The hit is on the break, um, and I they just immediately went back into the same rhythms against City. And they just weren't kind of phased by conceding at all. Uh, and so a couple of minutes after the goal, I was just assuming almost, you know, we've got this today. We're, we're going to get back into this. This isn't going to be one of those days. However, soon after the Salah goal, um, they break again. Uh, and again, it's Salah going down the left. And Jack Grealish sprints right across the pitch uh, and intercepts. Um to other fans, that might just be, you know, uh, not a particularly important moment, but it, it felt significant, Chris. I don't know why, but maybe it's the fact that we stereotypically think of people like Jack Grealish as not tracking back, and it's that kind of old-school mentality that we, we still retain despite ourselves. But it felt significant seeing him, of all people, putting in that legwork, cutting out a very dangerous player in Salah who always scores against us. For me, that it felt like a meaningful moment. I think it was. I, I, I thought this was British's right of passage game. I, yeah, it was yeah. this game that I just thought, okay, Pep understands, Grealish understands, we understand as a fan base why we spent so much money on Grealish, and 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 it and it was just that threshold point where Grealish really understood that it wasn't about us saying to, it wasn't about Pep saying to him, "I don't want you to do what you did at Villa." It wasn't about what he doesn't want you to do. It what he doesn't not want you to do. It's about what he wants you to do. And he started to really understand it. And I think that 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 breakaway I thought was clumsy on City's uh, City's part. We were playing really well, but I thought we were a little bit eager, um, and and we broke away too easily. But yeah, it was a combination of Grealish being there. Um, Salah's Salah's attempted square ball was poor, and Grealish was there to 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 mop it up. But I think for Grealish. It, 
he didn't assist. He didn't score. It wasn't about him assisting or scoring a goal in that game. It was about him getting back and stopping that going through. And you just saw it lift him. So I felt it was super significant that not just the fact that we prevented a possible second goal for Liverpool, but it was just Grealish showing that he was understanding what his what his role in this team is, and it isn't just about being on the front foot on on the edge of the box. It's about do, doing other work as well. But I, but I think that you're right. Apart from apart from that, and apart from Salah's goal. We pretty much destroyed Liverpool in this game, um, and, and it was symptomatic of where Liverpool were at that point and how we were very much an emerging force. But yeah, I, I just thought it was—I really started to understand Grealish at that point and what role he was playing in the team. We were cutting them open so easily that day. Uh, ten minutes in, uh, ten minutes after Salah's goal, we equalised through Alvarez, um, and that's it. Or going up into into half time. Um, but we have to talk about the Alvarez goal because, Ben, we have to talk about Pep's celebration uh, mm-hmm. in, in front of Simicas. Um I, I'm sorry. I, I adore Pep. I, I, I adore him. Um, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if we, if we take our blue-tinted glasses off and if that was Klopp doing yes. it in the face of one of yeah. our substitutes, you know, we, we wouldn't have been happy. Um I guess to give give him the slight benefit of the doubt, it was literally as the ball hit the back of the net sort of thing. You know, mm. what else is he going to do? Is he going to put his hands in his pockets and sit back down? You know, he he was celebrating, but it was all a, a little bit sort of cringe, really. Um, you know, he, 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 I think he didn't know what to do, Was my, you know, once he began celebrating and then that's why he sort of had to shake shake their hands, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Simic, because it was, oh, I can't remember, it was the other player who um, played at Barca, oh, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, it felt it felt a little bit awkward. As I said, if if Klopp was doing it, I'd have been I'd have been livid. So I'd imagine, <laughs> imagine they'd, they'd they'd have been the same same way. But you know, it's 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 a big goal. It's a big moment. You know, you can't can't expect him expect him not to celebrate. But the the I mean, the goal the goal itself again touching on Grealish was involved again in that with a with a great pass across. And I think I I thought with Grealish is that even with the season before. There was so many games where, yeah, he certainly wasn't as good as he was this season, but where he played well, you know, you'd say maybe a 7 out of 10, but he was just lacking that key moment in a game, whether it be a goal, a, a pass, and you know, or, or a tackle or something like that. And this season, it just seemed to be, as the season went on, there was more and more of those moments. So that, you know, in that Spurs game uh, that we talked about, there was one where he tracked back, didn't he? And he did a, a sliding tackle mm. um, and did something similar. I, th- I think he just... He elevated himself by being involved in a lot more key moments and and that goal, you know, whereas the first season he might have hesitated, he might have had an extra touch, you know, Gundo puts him through, he just puts a perfect cross right on the plate for, for Alvarez um to finish it off. So that was that was a great goal and and as you said, it, it had been coming. Um it was just a relief to to get back and get that back quickly. I was we have to give credit to Simicask actually. Yes, yes. Yeah, he talked that in good humour. Yeah. For every action, there's a reaction, and often the reaction is what can create the drama around what somebody's done. It depends how they react. And actually, he took that really well, and 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 it was his reaction that actually played it down yeah. because he could have reacted badly, really. So yeah, I, Pet was just being a bit of a dick because he knew <laughs> he, he was celebrating, and then he was, and then this player came in front of him, and he knew it was a Liverpool player. And he should have just stopped. 
but he didn't. Uh, so he was being a bit of a dick. And and so we have to not have double standards here. If that was Klopp, I'd, I would want him arrested for it. So it's, you know, <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. But Simakas, he showed such a class there that like he took it in good humour. I, I wonder how Simakas would have responded if it was a manager he wasn't particularly aware of, you know, like, I yeah. don't know, kind of Dean Smith, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it was because of a stature of Pep. Uh, even you know, professional footballers are, are somewhat in awe of him. <laughs> so he gets away. He gets away with quite a lot with players because of that. Yes, Do you remember yeah. him, um, Redmond, when he was lambasting Redmond. Absolutely, yeah. Do you remember going, yeah. Why are you not playing better? And it's, and yeah. So he does. He does get away with it quite a lot. He goes over and puts his arm around opposition players when, when we've just handed their asses to him, <laughs> and, he, and, and he tells them what they should have done in the game, and they say, "Well, I was told to do this." If it wasn't Pep, you're not getting away with that one. No so, way. Yeah, he does. He does a quite. He does. Have, he does have quite a lot of, uh, of 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 currency with players that he can get. The Redmond one thing. is is. I'm sorry, but it's bang out of order. It really is. Yeah. It's kind of, It's so patronising to the player yeah. as well. But anyway, um. So it's 1-1 at the break. Um, I, I remember being frustrated, actually. We should have been ahead. We should have you know, really... Because we were putting them to the sword time and time again. Liverpool just looked somewhat defeated, but we're going to come to that with the next question, Ben. Um, before we do, obviously, there's the goal. A glorious sweeping move uh, on 46 minutes. Um, goes out to the, to the right, cut across. Keeper just misses it, and De Bruyne kind of nods it in. Uh, taps it in, I should say. Um, straight after the break as well. Everyone's back in their seats. Just the atmosphere was absolutely brilliant. Um, as regards to how it impacted upon Liverpool, they gave up the ghost band for me. They were... I mean, even Liverpool fans were saying after the game, 2-1 down, that was it. They, they gave up. Um, was that a reflection on who Liverpool were last season? Because we can absolutely state with certainty that they wouldn't have look so defeated in seasons past. Yeah, and I, rem- I remember on the day just being so surprised at that and, and also with their, and maybe their fans knew what was coming, but even I think once it got to to 1-1, even, you know, they, their fans were, were really quiet, but they were, you know, it was great to great to watch from a City, City fan's point of view, but, you know, even after that second goal, they were, you know, hands on their knees, uh, they were arguing between themselves. It was really, really surprising. And, and also, you know, based on what we'd seen in, in previous seasons, how they they looked beat at that point at 2-1. And, you know, after the game, Klopp said, you know, something on the lines of, thank you for, for you know, for not for not killing us off and scoring many more, didn't he? So I think I think it was a huge, huge surprise. But yeah, that that obviously did did sum up um sum up how they'd been in that season, you know, there was a few performances which were typical of that season. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold was having another one of his games where he's just the most uninterested person in defending that you'll ever see. And um, and again, that's maybe that's another factor in Grealish's excellent performance. But every time Grealish got the ball and was up against Trent, Trent was just didn't want to be there, which was mm-hmm. great for us, not so good for them. Um, but but yeah, they were they, they were poor. Their heads went, um, and it was yeah, it's great to see. That how they how easy they rolled over compared to us being up against them in these huge sort of ding dongs I guess that we've had in the past. Then they when they've come back into it, and you know there's been a few two twos down the year, but um, but as soon as that second goal went in, you know they were they were there for the taking. Um, Stones was immense, I think, throughout, uh, and this was when the new system really came into its own. Um, we kind of looked unbeatable. We we were perplexing opponents. I think they couldn't find any solutions. 
um, to it. And a lot of that was down to the hybrid role, it has to be said. Uh, and this was when it really started coming into its own. Um, Gundo makes it three. Then Jack finishes proceedings, rounding off, yeah, superb team goal. Um, Chris, pure up, obviously, a lot of this pod is looking back on the final games of the season and, you know, what leads us to the treble. And a lot of our thoughts throughout the season are on Arsenal. But let's face it, we've got some pass with Liverpool. We've got some beef with them. Um, how satisfying was it for you personally seeing Liverpool so outclassed that afternoon, um, given how problematic they've been in the past to us? It was a combination, wasn't it? Because because Liverpool, we we know were nowhere near as good as they had been before. Um, and, and we were just getting to the point at which we were starting to get Back to how good we've been before, and possibly yeah. push on to, to, to be better. So I think I think the collision of those two narratives made it super satisfying. I mean, what what, what it what it did just cement for me, and you know, really confirm is that this season Liverpool were an irrelevance to us, um, and 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 that's not been usual for the past four or five seasons. Um, and and so that was beating Liverpool was hugely satisfying. The manner with which we beat them as well was it was so comprehensive. But immediately, I moved on from that within seconds of the final whistle and straight away went to my phone and checked to see what the table looked like and what it actually meant. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and obviously Arsenal was still clear. We had a game in hand. But as I felt after when we beat Arsenal at their place, it was like, right, it looks like we're going to do what we're go- we need to do. It's not in our hands yet, but now we're going to see what calibre of steel and mental aptitude Arsenal now have moving forward because we know we're starting to find form. Arsenal know we're starting to find form and we are pushing aside a team like Liverpool who normally, you know, are hugely competitive and have won the Premier League very recently. So it felt, this felt like a real threshold point of thinking, right, actually, the season might not unravel the way we thought it was going to th- three months ago. And I started to feel super confident about City. I didn't know what Arsenal were going to do, but I thought, actually, we're starting to look really well equipped to to, to capitalise if Arsenal starts to falter at this point. Um, let's kind of end with the same question to you, Ben, because you know that kind of wraps things up, really, and certainly takes us to that, that juncture there before Arsenal start dropping points and we carry on winning. So... Did that feel the same to you, Ben? I, I, I'm completely with Chris, really. It was a case of a, a hugely satisfying result and performance against a team, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly a fan of. Um, but when you look at what it meant to the table, Arsenal then went on a couple of hours later to beat Leeds 4-1. It felt, you know, there's still a lot to do. It was still, I think there were still eight points clear at the end of the weekend, Arsenal. But you have to factor in how good we were looking. Uh, it was a case of, okay, we, we have got all the, um, everything at our disposal now to go on a run. Let's see what Arsenal have got, which at that point was the best we could hope for, wasn't it? Yeah, and obviously we didn't expect them to implode as much as they did, but they no. had um, they actually had Liverpool next, didn't they? So I guess that was the only thing, uh, you know, sort of thinking, you know, as I say, it's on now, but, you know, yeah. I don't. I don't really hold that much hope for for Liverpool. Of course, Liverpool go on to 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 claw back and you know draw two two. You know, probably should have won that in the end, shouldn't they? But I think that at this point, you know, we're certainly ramping the pressure up. You know, we're eight points behind. 
we've got we've got them to play as well. Um, so the the pressure's really starting to cook up on them. We're you know it gets to the point I guess when particularly when you you're chasing you're chasing somebody down is there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Um, and we were we were certainly doing everything in our power that we could do. Um, and you know and also having beaten them already away from home, confident that we would beat them at home, to be honest. Obviously, that was a, a huge, huge game when we played them at home, but I did feel that, you know, we we would beat them. And, you know, could they really go the rest of the season without, you know, losing a game or losing one or two? I thought that it was it was certainly on. Uh and, you know, we were we were gonna we were gonna do it from here, I guess, really. And and I certainly I felt even more confident after we beaten Arsenal at home. But at this point I thought Right, you know, would come like the start of January. Would I take um, where we were at this point? And absolutely, yeah, we were certainly in with a with a huge shout. I mean, if you look at this Liverpool game as the starting point of you know the the business end of the season, if you like. So for the next eight games, City win all eight and score three plus goals in six of those eight games. I mean, mm-hmm. we were just absolutely formidable. Uh, at exactly the right time of the season, which ultimately, you know, created history um, and led to just a, a season that we'll never forget, um, which kind of wraps things up today. Next week, we're going to be looking at the Champions League and three key games for that. Um, no guessing. Uh, sorry, no prizes. Which, yeah, I wonder which ones they <laughs> yes! those are. <laughs> I couldn't get that mm. sentence out there, but no prizes for guessing what they'll be. Yes. <laughs> uh, and particularly one. I think one may well be included. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. In the meantime, thank you very much for joining me today, Chris. Pleasure as always. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks, Ben. Cheers. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening in. That's a wrap for today. Really hope you're enjoying retreading our club's journey to greatness this past year. In the meantime, take care, everyone. Be well. And forever up, the history-making blues.